a wonderful good afternoon, good morning, good evening, good. Wow, ooh, ooh, I, I, uh, you know what's the problem with working during lockdown from home, especially in the UK, which is the northern hemisphere. Um, I don't even know it's the day of the week anymore. <laughs> is it Friday, Thursday, Wednesday? No, you know what? It's uptime punks day. That's what it is. <laughs> um, and um, yeah, so um, we, we need to make a public announcement. Um, Tim is going to change his name. Um, he's not going to be known anymore as Timothy. He's going to be known as no, David. No, That's no, a man no, of tech. Yes, don't, of course. Don't, don't. Yeah, what? Yeah, I mean, and our merchandise is going to be up for sale very soon as well, which is going to just be a, a well, it's just going to be a picture of glasses with a beard on a white shirt, and uh, they're going to be up for sale for $99, and um, <laughs> I'm just joking. Anyways, uh, we have another great podcast from the United States of America, from the lovely California. We've been down there a lot these days, Tim. Um, yeah, Cali is my happy place. <laughs> <laughs> it's your happy place, isn't it? Cali um, is my new happy place. Um, I don't know what it is, if it's the accent, the sunshine, or... Um, the tech? The tech. Yeah, I think it's the tech, mate. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe also because they're um, the only American state that gets this whole garbage um, separation the garbage sorted, sorted. I have no idea, mate. But um, yeah, like Kali, need to go there in person once. Yeah, you we know. will. Um, so we have a lovely guest, um, Archna. Um, she is the community officer for... Um, community OC community director community director for OCP um, which is open compute project which was originally founded by Facebook um, and yeah we speak with her about sustainability we speak with her about uh, projects we're speaking with her about OCP what's the mission behind it and we speak with her about her sales career which is also quite interesting and mm. um, she tells us a little bit about a small company which she met in the 90s, which was called Cisco. <laughs> but anyways, um, you guys enjoy the podcast. Another episode, another guest, another evening with the Uptime Punks. Welcome everybody, wherever you are in the world. As usual, uh, we start with the little warm-up round, and today we are very pleased to have with us Archna Haylock from the Open Compute Project Foundation. Uh, we've been quite a lot in California uh, lately, uh, so uh, it is another episode in, in the sunny state. Uh, <laughs> we have... <laughs> We're based in London here, cold weather, gray, and we've just been told that it's actually warm and sunny in California. So um, we are very pleased to have some sun sunshine from over there. Oh and uh, <laughs> um, yeah, during these cold winter times and hopefully also some more brightness um, because that's uh, what it is, should be all about today in the data center space. Arshna Haylock, good day and very pleased to welcome you. How are you today? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yes. Um, it is a tradition at the Uptime Punks that we normally start with a little warm-up. So uh, okay. we'll just ask you a couple of questions to get to know you for the audience also 
I guess they will be able to deduct which generation you're from, more or less. You maybe um, you maybe detect why. Okay. And obviously, will also be about the core question and uh, the name giver of our podcast uptime. So, um, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. <laughs> Okay, cool. Normally, it's just it, normally Paul's really enjoy. Uh, Paul really enjoys doing this. So no, I'm enjoying this because because you gave her the warm up where she just saw the bottom of your face, which was like this massive beard just hanging in the screen, and yeah. then I said, "Well, this is the David Letterman of the tech industry." Oh no! Said, yeah, oh, I had to bring it up. I'm sorry, but okay. um, yeah, it's out there now. Tim, okay. Tim. The, the favorites came to his head so far that he thinks now he's David Letterman of tech. So there you go. That's, there yeah, you go. that's that's not how the story goes. That's not how the story goes. Arshna, there is a different person. Um, anyway, so it's it's a good thing that we don't really have um, pictures with this podcast. We're only recording only recording sound. Arshna, um, I guess you've you've been in lockdown um, at least at some point during the last few months. Maybe you're in lockdown right lockdown right now and uh, we kind of know that everybody has a little lockdown gadget uh, for him or herself um, during during this time so either it's something that they rediscovered and that they now use on a daily basis to make their lives easier maybe it's just some silly entertainment maybe it's serious like um, something for health um, but we would like to know if you Arjuna have some kind of COVID gadget for yourself and and also if you might want to share it with with us. Um, well, I've recently gotten into bread making as a, mm. a COVID activity. So uh, at, at the present moment, my favorite gadget is a bread maker. Uh, I've been experimenting. So it's a little bit of a, uh, a chemistry experiment, you know. <laughs> Have you tried to make your own sourdough? Did you give it a name? I Our was called Freddy, <laughs> I but Freddy made, died. <laughs> yeah, I haven't made sourdough yet. I haven't quite gotten that ambitious, but I've done um, the first time I made it. Uh, I followed the recipe to a T, and uh, my bread maker overflowed um, from the yeast. So um, that was a disaster, and and uh, I spent more time cleaning up the bread maker than I actually did enjoying the bread. Um, my second experiment was a little bit more um, tame. So we started with just basic white bread, just wanted to see what it was going to taste like and if it was going to taste any different than the bread that I would get from the grocery store. And I got to tell you, the smells and um, the just the building up, the build up to the bread is actually fantastic because you wait around for about two hours for the dough to rise and knead, and then about 45 minutes for the bread to make, and the whole house smells wonderful. And then you taste it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's a bit of a disappointment. Uh, and then that could be just me and my experiments, but uh, you know, it's either not too sweet or um, too sweet or too dry or too, I mean, you know, it's a little bit of a Goldilocks thing where you, you know, you try a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, uh, and I think I finally found a recipe that works, but it's been, I've been putting my poor family through torture because, you know, they, they anticipate through this process, you know, all the good things that, that are going to come out of this bread maker. And sometimes, um, 
it's not all <laughs> as planned. I'm, 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 we discussed the, we, we discovered the same thing, and then, um, well, my my lovely one, she started doing a, a sourdough because you first have to make the start and all yeah, of this. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And then she would make a loaf of bread every Monday morning. It really smelled nice in the house, and I would wake up and mmm, okay. Yeah. And then um, so so I'm training. So I do a lot of like uh, long endurance Ironmans and training and all of these things. And like I, we started doing like the sourdough, like maybe back in April, and then it was like June, and I was like, God, this is impossible with all this training. I'm training 22 hours a week, and I'm just gaining weight. And then I realized it's maybe that massive loaf of bread we would just eat yeah, yeah. because because it's so nice, especially when it's fresh. Yeah, make a nice soup, like a pumpkin soup, like really like mm -hmm. something nice, and then you just have this piece of bread, and you put some cheese on it, and some yeah. cream, and it's like. Um, but yeah, but the sourdough, you always have to give your sourdough a name and ours was called Freddy, but Freddy uh, died okay. because Freddy, so Freddy went off and then we thought I had COVID, but it was actually that Freddy went, it basically expired because we didn't mm. use it for long enough and uh, we did make bread with Freddy and then the sourdough went off and um, yeah, I had fever that. and I was in bed. I'm really happy that I didn't name anything uh, or any dough Freddy because probably the dough I would have made would have got up at night and killed me in my sleep. Like, like Freddy, uh, yes, Nightmare on Elm Street. That's so, right. It would have been a nightmare, yeah. So, so no yeah. eulogy for homemade bread from my side. Yeah. I, yeah, <laughs> it's been fun. It's been a fun family activity because I, I'm getting, you know, recipe uh, suggestions now. We've done cinnamon raisin. We've done like mm. a Portuguese sweet bread. We've done uh, wheat bread. We've done like a cranberry nut bread. Have you um, tried corn flour to make it you, with corn flour? Yeah, we, we did a corn uh, cornbread um, uh, but it, my family just doesn't prefer it. They're more sweet tooth. So we've been doing okay. a little bit more with chocolate and mm. and the nuts and stuff like that. Um, so it's, walnuts. Yeah, mm. yeah. So, mm. and it was great because in COVID, you know, we were in lockdown. So it was nice not to be able to go to the store to get bread. We were getting it here. Um, and I've recently been going to try vegan bread, which is going to be a whole different ballgame for me because yeah. without milk, without butter without eggs it's yeah that's going to be a whole different chemistry well I, 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 well I did it for a year so I went vegan for a year and three months mm -hmm. and um and then I <clears throat> Christmas came another lockdown and I surrendered I yeah. had turkey breast on Christmas day and yep. uh, Today my dinner was a fish pie, and I have absolutely no regrets. I miss these joys in life. Yeah. <laughs> so for, for all you vegans out there, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, my daughter is vegan, and uh, I'm vegetarian. So for me, I, I need my butter, and I need my milk. Mm. Um, uh, but uh, I do do eggs, and so for me, it, it you know, pasta is a staple. <laughs> I can't live without it, uh, and bread too. And so um, it's I'm going to try vegan bread. I, I kept putting her off to say, okay, let me at least get the basics down first, and then I can try to substitute something else for egg or some, you know, use almond milk or use oat milk or something like that. So let me just get the baseline down and then let's get creative. So uh, I think sourdough and uh, vegan bread is going to be my next... Uh, Next, call it Freddy. Yeah. <laughs> next, Freddy the sourdough, or you can call it Tim because maybe we can have a bit. Yeah, that's that, that's 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 a good oh, idea. That's gonna because... make a very delicious bread, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. 
and a very good looking one too. Uh, uh, okay, should we go over to the next question then? Yeah. Uh, the next question is, do you remember your first mobile phone? Oh God, I'm gonna really date myself, but yes, I do. Um, before the Motorola flip phone with the extended uh, battery. That's um, quite a recurrent one, that Motorola. Yeah, so but don't feel I, bad about it. You're not alone. I had the regular phone, you know, um, and I remember like it, it was really, really interesting when the the first initial phone came out because you had this little battery suitcase and I wouldn't even call it a battery pack. It was a suitcase that came with the phone. And, and this giant antenna on it, it was definitely not compact. And I'm a small person and the phone was almost as big as my arm. And it, it was quite the caricature where, you know, I was holding this giant phone up to my ear. Um, but yeah, it was the predecessor to the Motorola flip phone. And I just remember how delighted we all were in sales because we always had to carry a, you know, a phone around with us when the flip phone came out. Um, and then after that, the Palm Pilot, you know, I mean, <laughs> these things are like critical to a salesperson, right? All the Did you tools. do your biggest deals on your, how was it? Did you open the suitcase? It's like probably like an American president opens for the nuclear hats, opens, oh, exactly. left, right. Yeah. <laughs> and each of the buttons were like this big, you know. <laughs> and you can't hear the person really on the other end. Yeah, deal or no deal. Yeah, and then yeah. at the end, we'll probably be like, yeah, I, I will send you a fax. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you couldn't do two things at the same time. So you had you needed both hands to hold this stupid phone, right? <laughs> Forget trying to write something. There was no speaker button on it, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, that, that was my first experience with the cell phone, yeah. Uh, was it also your first experience with a computer or... Does that go even further back? Uh, no, the the first computer we had was the, um, the the actual you know laptop, if you will, not a desktop. Was the ThinkPad, um, mm -hmm. you know, and and those were like sturdy things. They were bricks. Yeah. <laughs> they I still are they, actually. They, they still are, but they've done a, a much better job of making them a little bit more slimmer. And but they were super ruggedized, you know. And I I just remember like having all of these back issues from carrying this this you know <laughs> the phone brick. already yeah it was a brick and then you you another brick is added on your back exactly Forget <laughs> putting it in the overhead compartment in the airplane that was never gonna happen <laughs> couldn't let yeah, people got killed by these laptops when they fall out of the plane out, yeah. <laughs> imagine yeah. if on top on that you would have to carry your bread maker as well <laughs> I can't wait until there's a mobile one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my yeah, my first laptop. Yeah. And it, is is that what brought you to so so what inspired you to come into the tech industry? Yeah, um, because you said well, what, you were a salesperson back then, and 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 I kind of uh, thought that you 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 did sales for kind quite a long time in your life. If 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 the information I got on the yeah, internet I of you is correct. Um, so. So, but no, but now let me just spell it out. Now you're now you're the community, uh, the community uh, responsible for uh, on the OCP. So how how does yeah. that journey go actually? Um, that journey went from engineering school uh, to Texas Instruments that recruited me, and it was for mm. their technical sales um, group. And so they have similar to like Motorola in those days, and Intel has a GRE program. 
they bring you in fresh out of college and they kind of rotate you um, into various different roles to really find out if sales is something you know, you're interested in. You get out of college and you don't know what you wanna do with the degree. Um, at least I didn't. Um, so I, I knew I liked engineering, I knew I liked technology, but I'm not the kind of person to sit behind a desk and you know run net lists all day long. And that was one of my jobs uh, is that I was part of the regional technology center and I was doing a lot of, you know, ASIC net lists, just running timing, sitting in a room. <laughs> and it was really boring. And my counterparts, the ones that I was supporting were the sales folks and the, you know, the, the FAEs out there uh, talking to the customers. And I just loved what they were doing and would, want to know more about it. So I was asking questions about what this net, you know, what this netlist was for and where it was going and, and who was going to use it and how it was being utilized in a larger system. So that got my curiosity going. And then I rotated, I rotated into a marketing um, role where we worked for a marketing manager and got a chance to see a lot of slides and do a lot of PowerPoint presentations at the time for them. And it was interesting to see something that was just ones and zeros on a screen and, and a bunch of timing to actually put it into a marketing and make it sellable. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, make it so a story, right? Make it a story, yeah. And then yeah. it was interesting from there to move into their product information center where that actual actual story gets told, right? Yeah. Um, so And the questions that came out of that story. So it was a hotline. It was brand new. TI had just launched it. Uh, we would get calls from people that opened up their lawnmowers and found a TI chip and wanted to replace it to military people that were reading data books, right, um, to try and figure out what something worked. Uh, they wanted to replace calculators because, you know, at the time, TI was also doing calculators. We got questions on TI typewriters. I mean, the whole gambit, right? Everything new, anytime they saw a TI chip, and it was our job as the information folks to kind of look it up and, and direct it internally. Mm -hmm. um, after that, we all get got a chance to interview and we could go either to the West Coast or the East Coast. And the West Coast seemed to be where a lot of the action was happening. Um, it was one of the larger TI sales offices. And so I went from Boston and uh, to Texas, where my rotations were, Dallas, Texas, to California, and never looked back. Um, uh, <laughs> in the sales office, I was given a responsibility, this is back in the early 90s, uh, for a small company called Cisco Systems. Uh -huh. um, and How small was the company back then? <laughs> they were doing $150,000 worth of FIFOs, okay. uh, FIFO chips out of, uh, out of uh, TI. And okay. uh, <laughs> my job was to work with the dis distributors like Arrow and Avnet at the time and make sure that, you know, Cisco was getting what they needed. And yeah. it was a tiny company at the time. Um, they were still in East Palo Alto. They hadn't moved to the San Jose campus. It was a warehouse. Um, mm -hmm. You had to go through the really bad part of Palo Alto on the other side of the tracks to get to where Cisco was because they couldn't afford to be on the Stanford side of University Avenue in Palo Alto. Um, Mr. Morgridge was there. He would hang out, you know, he was talking to all the, the engineers. So for me, it was a great treat, A, being part of something so small, 
you know, the, the, the sweethearts of the Valley at that point in time, Cisco Systems, mm-hmm. um, to be able to talk to all these engineers that were just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. Mm-hmm. And, and number three, to be a, a, a girl in the middle of all of this, right? <laughs> Um, so I, it was great. I could, uh, you know, they would take their time and, and explain things to me in a very layman's term. And I would have all of the flexibility to ask them as many questions as I wanted. Um, and I learned so much from so many people that I'm still friends with today. Um, and, uh, that kind of threw me in the middle of the tech boom and then the tech bust and then the tech boom again. And, you know, I'm still here. So I think tech is still booming. The last anywhere boom, anywhere boom forever. It's changed a lot. (laughs) So Cisco. And then from there I went to IBM and then at IBM, you know, I did sales for chips initially in their semiconductor group, uh, in their microelectronics group, still calling on Cisco, but, we went from doing FIFOs to doing ASICs for for Cisco and, and saw Cisco through so many different acquisitions, you know, uh, Calpana, Crescendo, Granite, Red Bat. I mean, there was so many acquisitions in that time. Um, and um, and then we went, uh, then I went on to uh, consulting for uh, IBM, did storage, did server, uh, my last stint there was services, and that's where my path intersected with Rocky Bullock, um, who is our current uh, CEO of OCP. And I was actually, he was consulting at the time with Sony, and I was actually working with him to put a service strategy together for Sony. And he said, hey, you know, this is something that we could really use in OCP. Have you ever heard of OCP? And I said, no, I've never heard. So I came to the very first summit. And that was at the Santa Clara Convention Center in 2016. And at that point in time, there was really no intersection. I was there just to support Sony because Sony was there um, as one of the the members. I think Frank Lasowski and uh, Frank uh, Frankowski and a couple of others were with Sony at the time, but were also doing a lot with OCP. Um, Rocky, uh, Rocky was their CFO at the time for a small division. And, uh, and one thing led to another and I've kind of loved what OCP was doing and kept in touch with Rocky and he sort of became a mentor. And next thing I know, I'm interviewing for a position here in 2017. (laughs) Lo and behold, here I am, the community director. So I think he he saw something in me and uh, I saw something in the foundation and what they were trying to do. And, uh, you know, the stars aligned. So So more about the foundation for... um... OCP, I mean, um, a lot of people know it. Some people maybe don't know it. Um, maybe you can give everybody a little bit more of an insight of how it all came together because I think there's some big companies behind it that had a vision and an idea, right? There there are. So Open Compute uh, Project Foundation was founded by uh, Facebook uh, a while ago. And, and, and this was back in 2009. So they were growing, you know, leaps and bounds at that point in time. And they were uh, offering, you know, their services to lots and lots of people. And they were looking for a way to rethink their, the way that they were doing things internally, right? Uh, 
with so much happening so fast, they were looking to to achieve some sort of efficiency in their data center. They were looking to cut, you know, to be more in control of their expenses. Um, they wanted to do much more with with their designs and and really, you know, take control of their destiny when it came to infrastructure. And so what they decided to do is make their designs public um, and say, you know what, uh, we think that we're software guys, we're not the best at hardware, we want to make sure that we're out there, let's make this open source, you know, let's do mm -hmm. what Linux did with software, let's do this with hardware. Mm -hmm. um, and along with, uh, at the time, it was Intel and Rackspace and um, Goldman Sachs, uh, they decided to launch the Open Compute Project. And I believe Andy Bechtelsheim was also there as an individual board member at that mm -hmm. time. And this was in 2011. So between 2009 and 2011 is where, you know, um, I think uh, OCP was internal to Facebook in 2009. And in 2011, it was formally launched as a foundation. And, and then uh, Microsoft joined us uh, a bit later and just recently um, last year, uh, Google joined us as well as a board member. Mm -hmm. So the goal of OCP is really to take, to go beyond hardware now. Historically, we've been in hardware. Um, so mm. server storage and networking, um, but we're realizing very, very quickly that our impact is way beyond that. Um, companies are looking to adopt open solutions, but they cannot do that with just hardware. They need to be able to do it with software and you know embedded software. So that's really firmware, or it's really um, any kind of software that is having to do with the hardware, mm -hmm. um, whether it's an install environment or a NOS of some sort. Um, so at, at the present moment, OCP has both software it has, you know, traditional hardware, it has racks, it has power, mm -hmm. uh, power supplies, we're also now starting to address cooling. Um, and we're going beyond that, we're going to the data center facility itself. So what kind of solutions can adopt OCP? What kind of facilities can adopt OCP? Where, where do those facilities go? Are they traditional brick and mortar? Or are they going, you know, in a modular fashion somewhere else on the edge, or maybe you know, on the side of the road, uh, where are they going? So we're starting to address, uh, you know, cooling. Um, we're trying to address this modularization that's occurring both at the facility level as well as at the chip level. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot going on. <laughs> we're right. a community, yeah, we're a community of about, you know, 6,000 to 7,000 engineers, um, all operated by volunteers that belong to all of our member companies, um, led by our volunteers. Um, the OCP core staff is only 10 people. So okay. it's crazy. So it's basically the brightest brains in tech come together yeah. to, to form the future. That's how that's how I would put it in a nutshell. And, 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 and it's, 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 it's growth in all direction, right? If you think about it, what started out as like pure hardware, like server racks, open open source like making it open source which is radical enough actually yeah. you go in the direction of hardware so abstraction mm -hmm. and then you go into the direction of even more hardware or infrastructure like powering backup cooling facility i mean is there something you guys don't do which has anything to do with data center is there still some 
um, yeah, we're, black we spot on the card <laughs> that you yeah. that didn't explore yet. <laughs> so think of us as the as the data center the data center emerging outward as opposed to the you know cell phone emerging inwards, right? Um, so our our impact is really around the data center, what goes in the data center, the racks, the the nodes, the networking, the power, mm. the cooling, the efficiency of running that data center from a facilities perspective, and then drilling down to the rack, right? And then drilling down to the server nodes, the storage nodes, the networking, um, the battery, the power shelf, all of that in, mm-hmm. in a given rack. So there are um, uh, projects around rack and power, mm-hmm. which also include cooling under there. There are mm-hmm. projects around server, which also include high-performance computing, uh, NIC cards, you know, mezzanine cards, uh, accelerator cards, uh, you know, chiplets and pitchlets Mm -hmm. now. Um, There are networking, so that includes things like, uh, you know, open network Linux or open network install environments, uh, the routers, switches, right, Um, gateways, both disaggregated routers and aggregated routers, <laughs> you know, um, right. uh, and and then there's you know Sonic in there as well uh, for Microsoft. So that's our networking, and then there's storage, and we're still trying to work on archival storage as well as traditional storage. Um, you know, looking at NVMe and software-defined storage in the future, and so there's mm-hmm. you know. Everything's going on. And then we're also addressing markets. We're looking at edge markets. We're looking at telco markets, you know? Mm-hmm. We're trying to really figure out where the edge is going. Um, and do, do, do you think edge is the future? I think uh, it, it, I think I it's it way, I could the pendulum, no. the, Remember the pendulum that we spoke about the last yeah. time? Yeah, we know it, but we spoke about the pendulum last time. So the theory is, just to, to, to give you a context why Paul is asking it, it's... Um, <laughs> Uh, a guest of ours, maybe I shouldn't say his name yet, but anyway, so the, the theory is that there is a pendulum data center um, and, and actually all IT infrastructure is there is a pendulum always going through uh, versus centralization, mm-hmm. like as we see with big hyperscalers, like impossibly big megawatts, um, you know, concentration of computing power somewhere mm-hmm. in a building. And that's where the pendulum is going now, but maybe now we're actually going back with the pendulum toward, towards decentralization and the edge. But mm-hmm. the guy was saying basically it's a pendulum. So at some point it will always, always come back. So the hyperscaler trend won't continue uh, forever as well as the edge trend won't continue forever. Maybe you have a dis- different opinion about that. And maybe no, maybe Edge is the driver of everything right I, now. So. I, no, I agree with that. I mean, we were at mainframes, what, back in the 90s, and now we're, you know, and then everything went up to the cloud, and now we're back on premise. And, you know, <laughs> so it swings both ways, I think. Um, and I think it needs to get to the edge, and the edge needs to be there, because we, as a humanity, we're, uh, and now we're in tech, our kids are so impatient. Mm. They want mm. zero latency in their communication. Um, cat videos. Yeah, it's cat videos, <laughs> Instagram, Snapchat, you name it, right? I mean, yeah. YouTube, TikTok, it's it's short bursts of data and they want it instantly. And I don't think we can achieve that without having the edge, 
We're sitting in our cars. We need it. <laughs> if, the map if the map doesn't show up on my GPS instantaneously, I'm pressing 15 buttons furiously on my, you know. Or you my, change. Yeah. Or you change. Or you if you have an iPhone, you normally yeah, have Google Maps yeah. and you have Apple Maps yeah. because Apple Maps, to be honest, I'm sorry, whoever listens out there from Apple, it's crap. Yeah. So everybody always switches to Google Maps. Yeah. And it's like, it's things like this. But so... The edge is everywhere. So in order to achieve that, yep. this will mean every household would need to have a micro data center and every petrol station and every garage because you're going to have smart cars, you're going to have the Teslas driving around. Yeah. I mean, all this data needs to be processed. So the only way to achieve it is by what? Putting an edge data center in every street corner? Uh, or? Well, I mean, uh, some of the bigger houses do have a micro data center. They've got umpteen routers. They've got appliances like your Nest and your your you know washing machine and your ovens that work all electronically from an app on your phone. Mm. Um, you know, you're I'm backing up tons and tons of data um, on a daily basis, whether it's work data or whether it's all the pictures that I take or my kids take or mm. documents. Everything is now online, right? Whether it's banking, whether it's personal, whether it's it's you know, you name it, insurance, medical, everything's online. And so for me, I need to have a backup of everything. So yeah, I have a mini, you know, so <laughs> under my, I have a data center in my closet. Under, under your bed. Yeah, it's in yeah. my closet. Let's hope you it's know? efficient in cooling because anyways. And uh, that's exactly it. You run into those kind of things. And and I think now with, with COVID, I think everybody has come to appreciate <laughs> connectivity mm. and everyone has come to appreciate the importance of video. It comes to our most important question, the uptime punks. Yeah. What is the definition of uptime for you? Perfect. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I walked right into that one, didn't I? Um, <laughs> for me, the definition of uptime is... Um, Honestly, it's always on. It's that's as easy as I could put it. I want my technology always on. Uh, I want to be able to flip a switch and have it's either on or off, but I want it. I want it off at my discretion. <laughs> so my TV, my internet, my power, you name it. Mm -hmm. Especially now uh, with the fires that were here. In California, I, I think that it was really, really scary how much we depend on power and how ill-equipped we are locally to mm. deal with this. Um, did, you, so, did, you, did you have any uh, power outage? Um, uh, yeah, we did. Uh, we, were, we were right on the brink, so we were evacuated from our home, uh, and luckily we had places to go to. Mm -hmm. um, nothing was burned for us. We just had a really nice layer of ash and soot over every window, every, you know, we, it, our air filters were horrible. Um, mm -hmm. There were those much less fortunate than we were that lost their homes, that lost their lives. They lost, you know, years and years of memories, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we consider ourselves very fortunate that we only lost power for four days. Yeah. But those yeah, four days really, <laughs> I mean, it, you know, living in the mountains, we do have a backup generator. So for, for us, it wasn't as disruptive, but, you know, it, it could have been. It could have been mm -hmm. really bad. 
Yeah. And so connectivity in this time was crucial, you say. Absolutely. In what way? In what, in what way? way? Just to be able to get the word out to our family and friends that we were okay, that we mm. were safe. Um, you know, all of us here, at least in the Bay Area, there's a large percentage of us that do not have landlines anymore. Mm. We only have cell phones. Right. And when connectivity goes down and here in the mountains, uh, there is no cell towers, there's no nothing. So you feel completely dead in the water uh, yeah. when there's no power. So uh, for us, it was also a, a matter of safety, too, that if our neighbors, because we do have elderly neighbors here. And so if something were to happen to them, how do we contact somebody? Mm. Who do we call? Um, mm. You know, and so that that was, I think, um, a big thing for us is that, you know, just safety from a safety issue, we really appreciated having backup power and we had a backup generator. So we were charging up phones for everybody, but. <laughs> so, you had, so, so you had your personal UPS system in place for your. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, exactly. And we were running. Our you know, electric. <laughs> our <Schneider's> electric. Yeah. <laughs> Are you know the guys from Schneider? <laughs> no 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 we don't we don't we don't do that like it's it's not like any like name dropping or so it was just i mean i mean i must give schneider electric one credit for something i mean i love vertif and all the other guys yes they do a great job but schneider electric that's just everywhere i mean we recorded a podcast in australia where they were putting data centers in the middle of the desert but only kangaroos live and even kangaroos don't want to live there and that data center was powerful but Schneider Electric, and it's like you know, so even the like, kangaroos have it in their heads. You even the kangaroos, no, the Schneider Electric. Yeah, even the kangaroos with cell phones. Is that it? <laughs> yeah. The kangaroo knows the logo, which says "Life On," which is the Schneider slogan. Eh? <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, yeah. So, so, <laughs> um, so, but doesn't this doesn't this show you also how dependent we are to technology? Yeah. If you're saying you yeah. felt completely cut out. I mean, mm -hmm. normally this is well. My father, my parents, they live in the mountains. They mm -hmm. move to the mountains to be to be away from all the troubles of busy lives. Mm -hmm. And there you are, sitting there in the mountains, enjoying the view, and saying, "Oh, it's so nice and quiet here." And I'm away from the busy city life. And then your internet connection goes, and you start panicking because you're feeling like you're disconnected. Yeah. Um, we played. Yeah, we played a lot of board games with our kids because I think that for us it was a nice reprieve. Because we weren't yeah. being pelted on by work emails, because you know we use technology primarily for work, but I think that it was also it showed us how dependent we were on TV. Like we don't mm -hmm. have TV. We we have we only go by what you know Netflix and and um, YouTube and Hulu and you know everything is on the internet and without having access to a router because we're in the mountains and so no power. Uh, you know, we really felt disconnected. Um, that that was, I think, the biggest feeling of discomfort that we had is that, you know, how do we call someone? Because we didn't have a landline. Mm. We, our routers weren't working, so we didn't have a, a cell phone, uh, you know, signal. Um, so if we needed to get in touch with somebody, how do we call? Who do we call? How do we, you know, no one has a landline locally. Here. Is a satellite phone? Yeah. So our neighbors actually had a landline. So we were like, okay, at least we know where, if someone needed something, <laughs> know where to call, right? Yeah. But I think that um, it, it really showed us how dependent we were uh, on technology. And um, I, I mean, honestly, 
it was a good reprieve for us, <laughs> but I think it was difficult for for our kids um, because they're they're so connected through. That's the only life they know. That's yeah, the only fits the games know. on the phones, whatever it is. I mean, yeah. you even see it now. Like if parents want their kids to be quiet, they just take them to a restaurant, with an iPad in front of them. But, and, uh, but do you think that's a good thing? Or I mean, obviously it's it's not always a good thing. But do you think there is more good than bad in this connectivity because um it's funny you say that because i think the the first day that we were without power we all had withdrawal symptoms all of us were twitching because we were you know just you're not used to being without technology it's just not something that you think about i mean you get in the car and you instantly put on your google maps right Mm. you're so connected to it um, our kids didn't quite know what to do. They were walking around. There were a lot of long sighs of, <sighs> now what do I do? <laughs> um, uh, so we, we, we went through probably a good 48-hour period of just withdrawals because everyone was walking around with their phones in their hands, but they were completely, they were lead bricks. There was nothing you could do with your cell phone. Um, you couldn't do any apps because you needed connectivity with that. You couldn't even make a phone call because it was voice over IP, right? Um, we don't get signal here in the mountains, so we use an extender to get signals. So we couldn't even call out on our cell phones. It was literally a doorstop. Um, you know, there's only so much you could do with playing games by yourself, right? And the, well, it's and a perfect family holiday, I would say. Absolutely. The family gets to know yeah. each other from a completely yeah. different perspective. So it took about 48 <laughs> hours for us to kind of wean off the technology because um, you, you automatically just go and turn the TV on, right? And not and expect there to be a signal, but there was yes. nothing there. So by the third day, we started playing Uno. And as a family started, you know, oh, let's cook something or let's yeah. do something. Is that where you got the bread maker? The, the bread maker. Yeah. Oh, no power. So couldn't use the bread maker, but we oh, did dang. have a gas stove. Um, so then you start, you can't use the microwave, right? <laughs> you can't use it. You know, uh, we have an electric. On fire? Yeah. We, we have an electric tea kettle. We couldn't do that. Um, <laughs> Oh. Even our fire pit is got electric to it, right? There's an electric outlet or a gas outlet to it. So it's <laughs> funny. Um, it, so much we realized that we were, you know, leaning on technology. Um, but uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, after, but it took three days of grumpiness of us all walking around, you know, aimlessly in the house to kind of <laughs> lean off the technology and and mm-hmm. then come back and say, okay. What can we do? There has to be. And then the board games came out. The jigsaw puzzles came out. You know, the little cool. lanterns came out. Conversation. Who was, who was first uh, getting to the play box and blowing like dust off it and like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was me and my daughter with the puzzles because we needed something to kill time. Nobody was yeah. on their computer anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we started with the jigsaw puzzles, and then my my um, son joined in, and then we get tired of the jigsaw puzzles. So then we play a mad game of Uno, and then we played Settlers of Catan and games, right? Dungeons and Dragons. We were, uh, you know, my son was trying to figure out how Dungeons and Dragons work, right? Um, so my my husband pulled out his old Dungeons and Dragons book, and he was trying to show him, you know what to do there so we were you know we played a lot of monopoly um played a lot of boggle it always, always ends up in fights i was yeah. about to say so family peace and monopoly um yeah. how, 
Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was interesting it was a lot yeah. of fun but like i think it was like day four is it took four days for us to wean off of technology mm-hmm. so what was the first thing you did when the light came on oh everyone like charged their phones instantly because mm-hmm. we were running out of batteries on our phones too right like day two the phone was drained right mm-hmm. um, well, yeah, that's 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 even lasted really long because yeah. like i mean day two yeah i mean I well, like... we couldn't use a day one at all Think about it, oh, right? Okay. Yeah. yeah There's no talking. Yeah. No one actually talks to each other. Everyone does everything on social media, right? So <laughs> no social media. But uh, yeah, by day two, our phones were dead. Um, and, uh, I, you know, we had one phone on through the power generator in case we needed to make an emergency call or anything like that. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I saw a lot of people playing in the streets. They were out there riding their bikes. They were walking. We did a lot of hikes just to kind of get out but the smoke was so bad that you couldn't be outside either so we were sequestered to our house for <laughs> short periods of time um so it was, yeah, it was fun it was a really good experience for all of us as a family to realize how technology dependent we were so speaking about technology mm-hmm. um OCP, do you guys also take um one of our favorite topics with sustainability so you guys mm-hmm. are helping um, your members with developing and probably with the policies and all of these things. So um, sustainability, that's probably a, a topic you come across probably on a daily basis, is it? Um, it's probably taken on more of a life in the last year and a half. And the reason for that is that we didn't have enough OCP product out there to really do second, third, fourth generation um, in terms of recycling and reuse. And, and now um, in the last uh, probably two years or so, we're starting to see second generation, third generation OCP gear out there. So um, we do work with, a, with one or two companies. If you go to the OCP website under Marketplace, you will see, you know, um, you will see some circular economy um, vendors out there that are reusing OCP, uh, whether it be, you know, IT Renew or Celeris or Circle B or one of these companies. Uh, th- that's exactly what they're doing. They're starting to now go with OCP gear and reuse, reuse it. Um, it has become more of a, um, a charter for us for this year, for 2021 now. And we're starting to look at it more from an organic perspective as opposed to just reuse of, of materials. Yeah. And I think it has to—it has a lot to do with our board members, right? If you look at our board members, Google, Microsoft, Facebook, mm-hmm. Intel, they're also starting to look at that in a much more serious um, environmental pursuit. And so it's kind of trickling down to us too as a... Yeah, I mean, Microsoft did the pledge of 2030 zero carbon footprint. Um, I don't know about the others. Negative, has... negative not zero. Negative. Neg- Sorry, negative. Yeah, negative. Yeah. Um, um, I don't know the others if they have done similar pledges, um, but yeah, there's a quite some 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 big tasks they have ahead. Yeah, and they do. They do. Yep. So applies to all IT gear now. You're starting to see data centers, you know, also take a, a lead in that too. So. Hmm. Do you, do you also think that, um, I mean, you're coming from a hardware perspective mm-hmm. and every hardware person that we speak to, they feel sort of guilty for the last 20 years of carbon footprint they oh helped. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
I'm curious for your kids. Are you like Susanna Cars, who tells um, because Susanna is like hardcore preacher who says like, well, you need to separate your garbage. You need to think about um, your planet, your environment. Um, is that something you apply at home as well? You always try to look at uh, your carbon footprint or um, we do. Looking back. We try, we, you know, as much as we can, we, we do. I mean, we've been talking to the kids about that. The kids, I mean, we're really lucky. I think the uh, Silicon Valley in general is a little bit more in tune with what's going on. So we recycle everything. We have a compost in the back for our garden. Um, so we we do do that, but it it's hard. You realize how how hard it is when, especially when it comes to electronics, right? Because mm. uh, you know you want a new gadget every two years or or less if there's a, a fancy new gadget coming in right new iphone every yeah. eight months yeah. almost now. Oh, yeah. we like that as well like i mean otherwise you wouldn't ask that favorite gadget question every beginning of podcast so yeah. we're guilty of that too um absolutely so yeah. you know you try and instill that into your children you you try to say hey look you know you can still use it it you know it's mm. not quite obsolete yet you know but it's it's kind of funny. I'm now starting to see not just my kids, but my parents and my in-laws looking at their gadgets and saying, yeah, this is really old. It's really slow. And I'm like, wait, that's just two years old. Yeah. <laughs> so I think our impatience level with technology is also, you know, uh, yeah, it's true. I mean, I, my, my father, my father is in his late sixties. I mean, he the new iPhone comes out. Uh, he has it the next day. Yeah, I'm like, you don't need it. He's like the camera is much better. Yeah, I was like, it doesn't matter for you. What's the quality of the camera? I mean, you take a camera picture of the dog in the mountains. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and he's like, he's like, I worked so hard my life. Why shouldn't I have this? Yeah, and uh. yeah, this is this is the answer you get. And then yeah. I was like, what are you going to do with the old phone? And then my father kept all his mobile phones he ever had. Yeah. He has a massive cabinet, which is with all the mobile phones. So even he still has the briefcase and all of these things. Um, so oh, it's I still like, have my Palm Pilot. So <laughs> that's yeah, and it's like it's it's, it's crazy because yeah. it's like I was like, what I'm going to do with all of these things one day? And he's yeah. like, well, this is part of your inheritance. Oh, great. Okay, cool. I can <laughs> get a box. But it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a box of used phones that I can't use. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like. It's um, very interesting that you asked the question about like the generational uh, gap that isn't anywhere any uh, gap anymore really because the sixty year olds have the same gadgets and want the same yeah. stuff as the new generation. So, but you could ask the same question from a geographical perspective. Yeah, but Tim, the older they get, the crazier they get. We have seen this in this podcast. The older they, we had some guests. <laughs> I mean, microchips implanted in their hands. Like, Michael uh, Tobin isn't that old. <laughs> no, Michael Tobin is late 50s. <laughs> he's, oh, he's he'll never come back, mate. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Mike. Yeah, but okay. anyways, but he's sitting there with his microchips. Yeah. And I'm like, Definitely. okay. I was like, me, a, a, a young guy like me, like, oh, yeah, I tried this stupid idea. I was in my 30s. I decided to put microchips in my body. No, mm -hmm. but it's like the older generation. Does seeing, he beep seeing, when he goes through an airport? No, so he used it for his oyster cars, <laughs> oyster cars in London, and yeah. um, it's and then some other guys. They got um, one guy he, because he's saying I'm working from home now. He got an air purifier yeah. sensor, 
So basically it alerts him when he needs to open the window at home because he's saying, I'm working from home, so I need the sensor like this. But it's all things nobody would normally think about. Of but that, 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 though, I think is, is something that, you know, I could potentially well, like say it's, 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 it's reasonable. <laughs> no, but just like before we maybe move to the next point um, on that sustainability thing, you said, the generational gap on technology, but there's also a geographical gap. Like we have all a laptop, we have a smartphone and we buy new ones every year. We have possibly other sorts of gadgets. And now the global South starts to equip itself with cell phones, right? Um, cell phones everywhere, but also potentially more of that stuff. And you kind of know that, you know, this whole flow of, hardware and uh, gets thrown away isn't perhaps you know the linear model of producing mass consumption throwing it away not even recycling it and you know that if now the other half of the planetary population starts doing the same thing it's perhaps not going to end uh, up well but so arjuna what right do we have to tell them no that's not the way to go because we did so so See the the parallel between the the grand the Paul's dad. He said, "I worked all my life, and I want to enjoy it. I have the same right to to use that as you, right?" That's so, true. kind of a dilemma here. What what would you we're say also, about? That? And we're also spoiling our kids, right? Oh, I, yeah. I hate to say it, it's as much as we put the blame on our grandparents, our our parents for using gadgets, and every you know every year they get a new phone. I'm constantly buying tech gear for my kids. There isn't a toy out there that doesn't have technology now, right? Mm. It's got some sort of motion detector light. It's got a microchip, right? Um, my my nieces and my my even my son. I mean, he, he's big on the video games, right? Mm. And and you and now thank God everything is online, so they just download the game. But we have all of these old games that you know have CDs that you pop in or cartridges that you pop in that are obsolete now. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting here going, what do I do with all of these PlayStation games and Xbox games and, you know, PlayStation boxes? He's got the old PlayStation 1 that my brother gave to him. What do you do with it? There's nothing to you do with it. it. You get a lot of money for it on eBay. Oh, it's used. So it's not like it can be you. You know what I'm saying? It's 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 loved. It's not like it's, it's not. Loved. <laughs> it's been yeah, loved. The cable hanging out of it. Yeah. But he uses, I mean, you know, he's got the PlayStation 1. He's got the PlayStation 2. And now, like, the latest. Now he has the PS5. Yeah, exactly. And, and so. He had to have it. <laughs> yeah, and we, you know, we had the handheld gadgets when they were little so that they could play in the, in the car. So, I mean. I think our carbon footprint is up through the roof. If you just start looking around your house and seeing all the different gizmos and gadgets that we have in our house. And so, I I mean, as much as I want to throw it over the fence and say, oh, my parents are getting a new cell phone every, you know, every year, uh, we're guilty of that. And we try and be responsible citizens and tell our kids that they don't need a new gadget every, you know, every time a birthday or a Christmas rolls around, but they get it, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So, so you you started your career, I said in a in a in a in a, in a very easy. You started your career selling uh, microchips, right? Yep. That correct. So back then in the days, 
Did you anticipate this whole debate about rare earth recycling and, you know, how bad it is to extract all this stuff? Or was that not like... If you're a self person, you don't care, Tim, I can take no, it. No, 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 because, no, no, just like from a historical standpoint, I'm just trying to ask to kind of get the feeling of the area. Maybe that wasn't present at all, or maybe there was some debate, but I would say we don't, it wasn't taken seriously. So how did that, how did that... Um, how did that feel like? How was how was the spirit of the days? I, I think that in other parts of the world, it's just not that important. I think the acquisition of gadgets is more important than the disposal of such gadgets. People don't mm -hmm. give it a thought. They they run readily run out and buy new appliances. And I myself am guilty of that, right? Yeah. Something new comes along, new Apple Watch comes along, you go and buy it. And you don't think about how you're gonna dispose of your old Apple Watch. It sits in a drawer, right? until you don't know what to do with it. And then it becomes so old that now you're looking at a bunch of gizmos and gadgets, mm -hmm. um, whether it be, you know, PSPs or, or, or um, Xboxes or even my old cell phones, right? Um, it's simple things, mm -hmm. your, your cable boxes, right? We used to have so many of those and every six months they'd sell, send you a new one or a router. Um, mm -hmm. You know, in phone, phone chargers, phone chargers, extended <laughs> phone chargers. cables. I mean, there's so many different types of cables. There's USB cables and micro USB cables, yeah. and you know, Apple. C USB. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Apple's got their own cables, and Motorola had their own cables, and you know, it's, it's crazy. So right. yeah, I think you do, you do become kind of numb to it. <laughs> Is yeah. the best way to put it uh, you know as much as you want new technology in place it's amazing how much technology is either sitting in our house in a box or mm. we've disposed of it and you know we have these electronic waste um areas near our house right that you can go and you can give them your electronic gear and they mm. supposedly uh dispose of it responsibly but if it's not in your house it's out of sight out of mind you don't think about mm. it Honestly. Is it a lucrative business to to recycle that kind of stuff? I think it what, is. I was think it back is. in the days when you were uh, no, selling microchips? Never ever thought of at all. I think mm. it just went into a pile, and you know, you you threw it in the garbage. Yeah. Uh, you See, know, I, like the same thing with paper. At that point in time, there was no three bins out there. You know, one for batteries and one for paper, and one we never yeah. sorted our garbage. Way I back. always imagine myself going back in time and opening like kind of a recycling firm for that. I would make a shit ton of money and do good for the planet, right? Yeah. All right, David. No, really, no. <laughs> That's actually one of my daydreams. So I, I'm, 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 I'm happy to share that of my That's daydreams with you. <laughs> yeah, right. To, um, to become like a time traveler and 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 hardware recycler. Um, I mean, I think, it, you know, if we could go back to our past selves, there would yeah. probably be a lot of different things that we would do, right? Yeah. But all yeah. I can do now is instill that awareness into my kids and yeah. say, hey, look, you know, you can use this phone for another year. Mm. It, it, it's not as slow as you think it is, dude, you know? <laughs> Everybody else has read the iPhone 15. Yeah. Right. And I look like absolute yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. Or buy some stocks for recycling firms, which leads to the next point, actually. So do you think that, I mean, no, I, we know from Ali Fenn from IT Renew, which yeah. you cited um, before that, 
loads and loads of money, which is good, is currently poured into hardware recycling and rare earth recycling and all that. And I looked it a little bit up on the internet because I also need to uh, diversify my portfolio. Not that it would be big. No, anyways, jokes aside. But no, but do you think that um, uh, the OCP Foundation or its its board members, they they do the same? Do they also pour money into that stuff? Or do they look out for opportunities to maybe become players in that field? Because if they have so many facilities with hardware, why not just open a new business unit and make some money recycling rare earth or whatever? Well, mm -hmm. that's just that's just an, a thought experiment. But what, what do you think about that? I, I think that our board members are very in tune with it because it's a direct edict coming from the Microsofts, the Facebooks, the... Um, uh, you know, the Googles of the world, right? The IBMs, the the Intels. I think mm -hmm. they're very they're becoming very, very uh, strong leaders in this. And there is a lot of resources being poured into these in individual companies around sustainability and circularity. Um, so we were very excited to work with companies like IT Renew when they said, hey, you know, we can reuse OCP gear. Um, mm -hmm. So from from my perspective, I think that that's fantastic. And um, there's, you know, IT Renews poured a lot of resources towards OCP, uh, but we're now starting to see other companies also come forward and do the same. So uh, it is a big initiative for us in, 20, in 2021 to try and figure out how we're gonna reuse OCP gear. And if, and, and there is a strong market for it, obviously. Um, as 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 you see on our website, it, we do have a portion of it de dedicated to circular mm -hmm. economy. Um, so we would love to be able to do more, uh, mm -hmm. more than you know, more our part in terms of this open technology. Uh, so there is um, you know an initiative in place right now within OCP, and it's just it's spearheaded by our board members, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing it, so they're they're helping us also see the way and. We're lucky. We don't have. We have a lot of gear out there, but also, you know, a lot of it's being reused. So that's mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Cool. So you're a community director at OCP, yeah. and um, do you also oversee Europe? Because I know that OCP is 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 bigger in the US than it is currently in Europe, and um, I don't know if there is any kind of. Uh, uh, dynamics or things you're looking into to kind of learn from Europe, which is so much more advanced in sustainability. I don't know if that's true, but that's what that's what people say. Well, we're hearing we're hearing that the US looks at Europe like the pioneers, and it's quite funny because it's in Europe, everybody's so far behind, and it's the US that's ahead. So that's I guess quite it's a California actually that it's that is ahead, but. Yeah. I think there's microcosms everywhere. I think there's parts of Europe that are very good in what they do. There's parts of the US that are very good at what they do. Um, I think the general awareness is there. Um, my responsibility is global. So we are talking to Europe a lot. Whenever we have a regional summit there, sustainability and circularity is something that is discussed. Um, in fact, Ali has done um, many speeches at our um, global summit as well as our regional summit in Europe. Mm -hmm. um, we are starting to see a huge outcrop of secondhand gear now coming through, um, both in, in the U.S. and in Europe. Um, Europe is definitely ahead in terms of reusing gear. 
whereas uh, I think we're the U.S. is is still catching up. There's, you know, it's just a, it's. I think it's availability of solutions also that that leads to that circularity. So in the U.S., the, those solutions are available, and in in the in Europe, they're also available regionally. So it's easier to go and reuse regionally. Um, something that's in the UK or in the EU or whatever, right? You can reuse it, move it around. Um, uh, I haven't seen that much coming out of Asia yet, but uh, Japan certainly is starting to look very, very interested in, in reuse as well. Um, so that, that conversation has been broached there. Um, so we, we tend to handle things on a regional basis because it's just easier from an import-export perspective if we could do it regionally. Um, but yeah, it, it, it is a big initiative for us. It, it is a big priority for us. And um, it's actually coming from our community up. It's not coming from the board down as much as our community up. They're, you know, when we pull them for what are your top three or four things that you want to look at in the next year in terms of both technical priorities and social priorities, um, circularity and sustainability is one of them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's good. I mean, in my opinion, um, you know, three or four years ago, we didn't have enough equipment to do the circularity. <laughs> there wasn't enough adoption, you know, to be able to, to create a second generation, a third generation of OCP products for reuse. And I think we're seeing a lot more of that now. So pretty mm -hmm. excited. So, so where do you see, <clears throat> coming to our last question, so where do you see the future of the hyperscalers and the data centers? Where do you see the market developing in the next? We already touched a little bit on the edge thing, but yeah. where do you see uh, the industry itself developing the next 10, 15 years? It's, it's funny you ask that. We've been asking ourselves that question too. Um, so I, I'll share with you where we're prioritizing. Um, we're prioritizing, I would say, in three or four spaces right now. Uh, we're prioritizing in academia. Um, so there is a big push from OCP in terms of future technologies, both making them aware of OCP and also learning from them on the, the, the kind of things that they're working on. Um, so whether it is universities and labs around the world or um, test labs like UL or, or you know, CEL or those guys, because they're also seeing things that work and that don't work. Um, uh, IBM Research Labs is another one that, you know, has come and, and talked to us about what they're doing. So we're trying to take what they're learning and bring it back into our community and make our membership aware of what, what's happening and trying to find an intersection there. Um, so that's one initiative that we're seeing and, and pushing forward. The other initiative is around uh, circularity and sustainability. Um, so that's big there. And then the third initiative is um, around modularization. We're seeing a lot of um, things happening at the chip level. And we're seeing a lot of things happening at um, the appliance level, whether it be networking storage, you know, server technology. Um, those are kind of the priorities that we're seeing. But as far as a market, what we're seeing is that modularization and that circularity in terms of the edge for sure. Um, whether it is automotive edge, financial edge, you know, um, uh, technology, uh, communication edge, right? We're seeing it and we're having a lot of, a retail edge is another environment where we're starting to see a lot more um, 
companies come to us and ask us what we're doing. Um, so the retail industry is a big one. Medical edge is another one, right? And, and all of these small clinics that are now cropping up, they need a way to connect. They need a way to, you know, to talk to each other. And they're sending large images back and forth, right? Um, and there's a, an, uh, an enormous amount of sharing that's happening in that environment. So we're starting to see that now. Open and medical don't necessarily go well together. <laughs> uh, so there is this fear that because it's open, uh, it may not be as controlled. But we're trying to make that this. Uh, this uh, distinction between open technology versus open information, right? Uh, mm -hmm. You can still use open technology and, and still make it secure. Um, it doesn't need to be out there in terms of, uh, you know, the security protocols and, and the information that you store on it, but you can still use open, you know, open servers and open networking switches. And um, so there's a bit of that. Um, there is a lot of uh, emphasis on cooling and, and yet another environmental issue, right? Along with circularity and, and sustainability, but how do you cool? So mm -hmm. there are a lot of harmonization efforts going on right now between our cooling group and our data center facilities group. Um, whether it's modular data centers or standard brick and mortar data centers, you know, how do you make them more efficient? Um, whether you use immersion in them or you use traditional cold plate, you know, or or what, but you there's a lot of activity around that. And that's being done primarily out of Europe. I mean, Europe's coming to the forefront. Asia's trying to deal with the, you know, mainland China, Korea, um, what do you call it, uh, 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 Taiwan, all of these, they're dealing with the same issue. They're trying to cool these giant data centers. Mm -hmm. So... Um, you know, how do you reuse that energy is one aspect of it. And then how do you make them more efficient? So if you could see those four or five priorities that I rattled off, that's basically where we see OCP headed in the future. And you're going to see a lot more collaboration happening with other open organizations because we're finding that we don't want to reinvent the wheel. So if ASHRAE is working on cooling, let's work with ASHRAE. Let's see what kind of synergy we can come up with. If um, Open Networking Foundation is working on edge and, you know, the telecom infra group uh, project is working on edge, TIP is working on edge, let's figure out where, you know, we could help and complement each other instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, right? There's just too much going on and no one has enough time in the day to, to try and redo somebody else's work effort. So... Uh, you'll see a lot of collaboration going on, not just amongst our community members, but also across other organizations. Mm -hmm. Together, you can conquer the world. Well, to, together, we can open it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a nice comeback, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's great. Well, it's um, it's great to get some insights from you. I mean, um, we learned a great a lot of great things of you today. Um, mm -hmm. If it's the, the, the baking machine or um, that that um, that you still have some of the old mobile phones or the PlayStation still dominating your life. Um, yeah. Also, <laughs> what games to play if you have a power outage or uh, yeah, Uno is a big one in our family. Settlers yeah. of Catan is another one. Monopoly, not so much. Twister. <laughs> <laughs> Twister, yeah, but, but Twister is not COVID friendly unless you're living in the same household. Well, but, um, I, 
but I discovered a really nice board game, <clears throat> which is called Photosynthesis. And this is maybe something um, which you can play with your daughter, which okay. is um, vegan and you as a vegetarian. Right. So basically, you need to grow a forest. And the the game, the game, well, the game is about you grow your own forest. And if you have a bigger tree than the other person, that person doesn't get the sunlight. So they don't collect points. Ah. And the person that grows the biggest forest wins the game. Oh, Interesting. So, um, that's a, it's a like very that. Um, nice way of... Um, yeah, yeah. So um, this is another shout out to the London Internet Exchange. Thanks for doing such a fabulous job, um, Thomas King, Dick Please come to London, fix the internet problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because this cannot be. I mean, so many people watching Netflix at 10 p.m. in the evening, but maybe uh, that can't be the case. Um, I was just um, telling hey, about this is from my town. I really like Netflix. <laughs> um, I was just talking about the lovely game, which is called Photosynthesis, which I discovered. So I can recommend it to everybody if you want to compete with your family and growing a forest, which is quite, it's, it's different. It's a um, game. It's not a, an online game, right? Okay. Game and um, it's four players. Okay. And, um, because, well, we got really bored as well on the first lockdown. And, uh, of course, we're quite um, uh, quite radical because I, I'm the kind of person, oh, I'm going to be vegan now, and then I do it for months and, and then a year. And like I was like, oh, we're not going to watch TV. We're going to entertain each other with games. So okay. then we started ordering all these games. We ordered Risk. And then, um, well, my, my lovely second half thought Risk is a little bit too brutal because I, I started getting too competitive with Risk. And then <laughs> like, well, how about we just start planting trees? I thought, ah, what do you mean planting trees? And I actually enjoy it because you grow a little forest and you start um, There's a strategy, yeah. Yeah, you have to steal the sunlight so the other trees yeah. die. Um, so <laughs> this is like the way how so, I look. So what could have been like a nice, very uh, sustainability um, conscious game is actually just about killing trees or what is no. it? <laughs> He's making it competitive is what it's yeah, I, yeah, I, I have yeah. a very competitive nature because I'm a salesperson by heart. So yeah. um, yeah. that's how I actually uh, understand. I feel that every from. day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Tim. You seem quite highly motivated. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, it was lovely having you on the podcast. And um, <laughs> um, it was uh, one of the first podcasts with David Letterman of the tech industry. That's what there he likes to be called now. Yeah. Um, so, Tim, you can never get rid of that beard. That's it yeah. now. That's your trademark. I already saw the merchandise for the Uptime Punks, which is a white t shirt. And the only thing you can see is glasses and a beard. beard. <laughs> And I was like, "That's the merchandise, and people are gonna buy this." And uh, it needs, to, but it needs to be biodegradable materials. So once oh, yeah. you put the t-shirt away, it starts growing a tree. For example, every shirt is a tree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it was lovely having you, Arjuna. Um, I would. Uh, we always say the last word was with our guest, so um, the stage is all yours. Uh, thank you for having me. First of all. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I think that uh, for from an OCP perspective, we we welcome everybody. Our um, our our organization is uh, quote unquote open to all and open for all. Um, we would love to have anyone and everyone join, from academics to students to those that are just curious about technology. Um, 
I, I think you'll find our, our organization very, very interactive. But um, I, I think that if you could go online and check it out and, and see if there's some synergy within OCP that meets your your individual interests or your company's interests, I invite you to join. I invite you to give me a call. Uh, my email is published on the on the website, so please don't hesitate uh, to to you know satisfy your curiosity and uh, come on over to the green side. <laughs> <laughs> to the green side, and you can play a little bit of photosynthesis and Uno, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> and you can learn how to make a nice bread because Archer is trying sure, all the different kinds of breads because I'm apparently. <laughs> Uh, it was lovely having you and thank you so much for your time and uh, thank you so much for being on this podcast it means a lot to us thank, thank you, you so much for having me and uh, yeah look, looking forward to hearing more from you guys in the future so keep it up this yeah come really back cool. someday Arsna yeah? I will, I will. <laughs> right. thank Take you care. have Bye. a great day bye, bye. 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 So that was 90% bread, 10% um, <laughs> microchips, and uh, I don't know. The rest was like about, is there any rest? Well, no, it was a very cool podcast. I just feel <laughs> a bit jealous because I think Archna and you are going to start your own uh, bread-making podcast, and bread -making I'm just going to be on the sidelines. So I, I don't <laughs> like that idea. I really don't like it. But maybe with my new title as David Letterman in tech, I don't need you guys anymore. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? I was going to play out. Oh, Tim, you know what? When you get when you get um, when you have Kanye West and Kim Kardashian speaking about the divorce on your next podcast, do let me know, mate. I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, that's a thought. I I I. I <laughs> oh, you can interview Donald Trump and ask him why his Twitter account got blocked. <laughs> you might get some good ratings on that yeah, one. Yeah, I have a pretty, I have a pretty strong feeling that he's also blocked on the platform we're doing the podcast on. So, um, yeah, perhaps not. But um, <laughs> I like the Kanye West thingy. Uh, <laughs> um, it was really great because uh, Arshan is such a humble, humble person. Uh, it was really lovely speaking with her. So down to earth. Um, I love how she shared with us her career path. And one of my favorite parts was when we always give the last word to our guest when she just reached out and said, please, anybody that is interested to come and work with us, um, please feel free, which is, which is nice because she's saying open compute project is an open platform and we want everybody to take part of it and take part of the community. And this is what you do as a community director, isn't it? That you invite everybody to your community. And uh, it's just lovely. And yes, we did speak a lot about food. We spoke a lot about bread. I love bread. But I can't have bread because bread's just going to make me go fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for um, those who don't know, yet Paul is training for the Ironman. Just want oh, to just in case you don't know, I'm doing the Ironman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, actually, I'm I'm trying I'm trying. Well, it changed already. I'm trying to qualify the world for the world championships. <laughs> okay. Uh, I I think I spent too much time indoors, um, dreaming really big, and um, 
I got caught the other night watching motivational videos, which is like, you can be stronger. You need to believe in yourself. You're the lion that has to run after the gazelle and not the gazelle is running after the lion. And um, while yeah, I'm let's on get my one of these guys in the podcast once and, 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 and ask. Like one of these motivational speakers. Um, and uh, I was on my bike and just sweating and dying. And <laughs> like, and... Um, and Frances just walked into the room and she's like, what the bloody hell are you doing? <laughs> she's like, what is this nonsense you're watching? Yeah, I guess you felt, I was like, you felt I was like, more Iron like Man. Uh... I was like, Iron Man is not about physical training. It's also about mental training. And she's like, COVID is not enough training for you. <laughs> I mean, how much more you want to get mentally trained? Um, but yeah, uh, it depends. It depends. I mean, if you can choose to feel either like a lion or a gazelle, or a... I would rather be the gazelle, actually, to be honest with you, because... It's it's more... it's more Yeah, yeah, true. It's more... I would rather um, be the gazelle, because as a lion, I, I think as a lion, you have a lot of responsibility in the, <laughs> in the animal kingdom. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like a gazelle, you can eat your grass, hop around and do your thing. As a lion, you have to fight for your territory, and wow, it's a lot of peer pressure there. Then you have to have, like have a family and like you know make sure that the pride is fed and like as a gazelle you can you just live life you're like the hipster of the of the of the animal kingdom you like you know hop a little bit here try that leaf try is, that leaf make sure that the crocodile doesn't catch you when you cross the is, river is this another allusion to my to my beard like you know hipster of the animal kingdom or uh, what are you trying to say here oh no no mate. no no getting too far <laughs> It's uh, it's late in the United Kingdom. It is actually bedtime for me. But um, for those who want to continue, <laughs> stay tuned. And uh, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. And uh, please subscribe and feel free to reach out to us um, if you want to come on as a guest. And uh, the David Letterman in tech T-shirts are going to be up for sale very soon. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Tim, you think I'm not going to do this? You know me well enough that we're going to have some event the next live event whatever it's going to be i'm going to be standing at the entrance handing out these t-shirts and caps and may i've believe me it's that when you throw them away you will grow into a tree and when you if throw you them can, away they go into a if tree you can, if you can make that happen paul i allow you to do it if you can okay. make that happen all right oh, are you daring me i am i am so daring you <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm looking for sponsors for this initiative. So if anybody is out there that wants to help me with this good cause. Um, but um, yeah, so please subscribe, Apple Music, Spotify. Um, and you can also reach out to us on LinkedIn, which is the Uptown Punks official. And of course, we want to highlight also another thing. We're going to have um, upcoming um, our Gaia X Summit, which is on the 27th of Jan. Um, some panels and everything is already out there. And as well, our friends in Amsterdam are doing the kickoff conference, which is the 21st of January as well, um, where they're bringing all the community in Amsterdam together to speak about sustainability and everything that's happening in uh, in Holland for our lovely Dutch neighbors. Um, yeah, I think that's about it. Do you want to add anything, Tim? No, I'm fine. Because last time when I started adding stuff, you cut me, so... No, 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 no! I will, I will let you. Let you no, no, um, no. That's 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 really maybe bad. a quote of the day from um, Mr. Timothy. Quote of the day from. Uh, do you see? 
is you need to cut that post because it, it has already gotten too long now um be or not to be this is the question no 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 just be a lion be a gazelle um you don't care as long as grass is green <laughs> i have no idea mate. and always remember the grass always looks green on the other side so always stay a punk and always keep a positive mind and always stay healthy because i screwed that one up the last time i said it so i won't try to do it again um but yeah anyways you guys take care and uh be safe thanks cheers bye